We're going to talk about witches, mediums, and ghosts. We're going to talk about all kinds of different things this morning and see where that leads us. But uh, <clears throat> we're going to read the story, the famous story of uh, Samuel and Saul and the witch, witch of Endor. So that starts in 1 Samuel chapter 28, 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 3. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him. And buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. Now Samuel was a great prophet that was the one that anointed Saul to be king. And then when Saul did, uh, we're going to read that in a minute. When Saul didn't do what he was supposed to do, then uh, God rejected Saul. And then God took David and chose David. And when God chose David, he sent Samuel over there. Samuel anointed David. So Samuel is one of the greatest prophets in the whole Bible. And uh, he's got an amazing story in himself. Well, Samuel now has passed away. He's died and everybody's crying over that because he was a great prophet there in the middle of verse 3. And Saul had put away. Now Saul was the king of this time. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Now Saul, of course, was king of Israel at this time. And David was anointed to be king. And Saul was very, very jealous of David. Saul had went out trying to kill David, chase David, threw a spear at David, threw a javelin at David. David's on the run so much so that David's went over to the Philistines and David's living with the Philistines at this time when Saul is, 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 uh, comes, when all this story is taking place. So Saul says here, Saul had run all the those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. What's a familiar spirit? A familiar spirit is an unclean spirit that's familiar to you. We would say sometimes somebody would be demon possessed. Uh, a familiar, like they know you by name, you know them. Uh, it's, it's, it's a spirit, an unclean spirit that associates with you on a regular basis. Uh, you've seen these kind of people. Uh, they'll go on these talk show hosts and they'll be like, I, I can contact this dead guy from uh, a thousand years ago and he can give me this knowledge of the ancients. And you see, the, it used to be all the time on TV, these, these idiots doing that. And they, they go in a trance and they start talking like that person has anybody seen them, them doing that, the mediums doing that kind of stuff? That's the, somebody who has a familiar spirit. It's an unclean spirit. Now, the Bible calls them unclean spirits and spirits. The modern-day term is demons. That's not necessarily the best term, but that's a modern-day term. But the, the Bible term is, a, term is an unclean, unclean spirit. Now, a familiar spirit is somebody who's, it's not just an unclean spirit that comes in. It's somebody, you're familiar with them. You're talking to them. They're talking to you. They're working through you. Uh, we'd call them people that would have one of those. We call them witches or mediums today. Verse 4. And the Philistine, and a wizard would be a male, male witch. Wizard would be an equivalent of a male witch. Verse 4, And the Philistines gathered themselves together, and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw, saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that had the familiar spirit at Endor. So I want to preach this morning on the witch of Endor. Or I've got another name uh, for this uh, title for this sermon. The sweet, kind, reassuring, demon-possessed witch. And I'm going to show that to you. She's the sweetest, kindest, reassuring woman you'll meet. And she's a demon-possessed witch. So to get the, I want y'all to get the context, if you don't mind. Well, I'm gonna get the context of what's going on here, because it really you you got to understand what's going on between Samuel and Saul. So keep your hand here, but turn to 1 Samuel 15. Just turn a couple pages to the left to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. And we're gonna read. I'm gonna read to you what happened and what brought all this along. Uh, this is between Samuel and Saul. What brought all this along between uh, Samuel and Saul? So look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse uh, 22. Now to get the, the context of this story, God has told Sam, Saul, God told Saul as king. Now this is before Saul had made the mistake. He told Saul, I want you to go and I want you to kill all the Amalekites. Every single one of them. Now this is where people, get, people really bash the Bible. Atheists really get on about the Bible. Because God says in that verse, and you can go home and read it in chapter 15. Go home and read chapter 15. God says, I want you to kill the women, and I want you to kill the children. I want you to kill all of them. 
Now, what's going, why would he do that? Well, the Amalekites, they're the ones that came out against Israel when they were coming out of the land of Egypt. When God was bringing them out of the land of Egypt, they were, they were as a people going from, coming out from Egypt trying to go to the land of Israel. Well, here comes the Amalekites. Now, they're, they're a descendant of Esau. And here they come, and they started fighting. That, that famous story where Moses is, has his hands held up, and when Moses' hands were let down, they would lose the fight. But when Moses' hands were held up, they would win the fight. That's Amalekites that they're fighting with. So God says, I want you to go in. I want you to destroy every one of them. Now, number one, don't worry about the children. God's got them in his hands. Amen? I mean, he's got them. God's got all the children in his hands. We've, we've already figured that out last week, that, that God does not hold a child accountable for his sins until the age of accountability. And we, we studied that last week, got into that last week. And number two, God's got foreknowledge. God knows why he's doing what he's doing. Do you, this king that Saul let go, because Saul doesn't do what God wants him to do. Saul doesn't kill that king Agag. That king Agag, his descendants, some of them get away because whenever it comes to Esther, the story of Esther, you remember Esther? And there's the evil Haman, and Haman tries to destroy all the Jews, and he almost got it done. He was a direct descendant of the guy that God told Saul to kill that Saul didn't kill, that, uh, that Samuel has to end up killing. So one of them got away. Saul didn't do what he's supposed to do. And that's why God had done it. Because years later, they were going to wipe out all of God's people. And let me give you the third reason why, uh, to, to explain why God does what he does. He's God. Amen. He's your creator. Amen. He can do what he wants. He created you. He can destroy you. He can flip you like an ant off a, off, a, off a piece of bread or whatever. He can do whatever he wants to do to you. And when you start understanding that he's God and that you should fear him as God, it'll, you know, it'll bring fear to you and humble you and maybe you'll get saved. Amen. I believe in God. And I believe God could kill me right now if he wanted to. I fear God for that. But I, he's, I, I know him now as my heavenly father and I, I, and I trust him whatever he's going to do. But the point is, he's my creator. When I say God, understand God means he's the creator and all-knowing, all-powerful. You better worship him, and if he does something, you better not question it. You better say, what's he doing? I'm going to get out of the way. He's God. So, uh, and if you think these are two different gods, I've had somebody tell me that. The God of the Old Testament is not the God of the New Testament. Uh, let me tell you something. You haven't read all the way through the rest of the New Testament. You're reading Jesus Christ teaching us how to deal with each other. You're not, you're not looking at how Jesus Christ deals with nations at the end of Revelation. Get down there where he's stomping on people and there's, there's blood running to the horse's bridle for 200 miles. When you read that, you'll see that's the same God. It's the same God of judgment. It's the same God. So what happened was Saul didn't do what God wanted him to do. So Saul said, uh, 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 God said about Saul, Saul, he said, I'm done with you. I don't want you to be my king anymore. And what happened was when Samuel showed up, God had told Saul, I want you to kill all the, all the people, and I want you to kill all the sheep, all, don't, cattle, nothing. Destroy everything. They're, they've been polluted. Well, Saul doesn't obey, and Saul brings some of the sheep. And so what Saul does, Saul brings some of the sheep, and Samuel's late to showing up, so Saul starts sacrificing sheep. Saul, Samuel shows up as a prophet, and he said, why did you not obey God? He said, we did obey God. He goes, then what's all these sheep I hear? He said, well, the people did it. Saul said, the people brought them, and they brought them up here, and they, you know, it's a every good politician blames the people. Uh, the people did it. It's their fault. And that's what, we're lead, that's what I'm trying to read, lead it to in verse 21. Look at Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse uh, 21. And the people, and this is Saul speaking, but the people took of the spoils, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Saul, Saul you'll find out, is very religious. Very, very religious. He's doing all the things a religious person does. He's sacrificing. He's worshiping God through sacrifice. But here, verse 22, is what we were talking about in Sunday school this morning. And Samuel said, the prophet of God, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. He said, does God care as much about sacrificing an animal as he does as you listen to what he told you to do and do what he told you to do? Guys, you can go to church every time the doors are open, but if you're not obeying God and living the kind of life God wants you to live, you're not any kind of Christian at all. Amen. 
in God's eyes. He would rather you live a good Christian life and do what he wants you to do and not be able to make it to church all the time. And that's me speaking that I think you should be at church every time the doors are open. But I'm telling you, that's how God sees it. God doesn't see it like we see it. And that's what, he, that's what Samuel is telling Saul here. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. It's better to obey, to do what God wants, than to sacrifice, to make these religious things. Listen, religion is dead works. That's all religion is. There's very, very religious people around us, very religious people, and very uh, dead religions, and it's going to send them straight to hell because religion will kill you. Religion is just dead works. A lot of what we do in this church can be considered religious dead works. Some of us sing, they don't, you don't care what you're singing. You're just singing along because everybody else is singing. You're not worshiping the Lord while you're singing. When we pray, some of you are already thinking about what you're going to eat when we get out of church. So you're not in the prayer service. Not, and when I'm preaching, you're already thinking, I wish you'd shut up. It's almost time. I want to get out of here. That's, that's a dead work. That's very religious. And he goes on to say in verse 23, Samuel to Saul, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And that's what we're going to study this morning, witchcraft. You think witchcraft is evil? Yeah, it's evil. Well, God says in the word of God there, Samuel reminds Saul that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Your rebellious heart, when you don't want to obey God, when you don't want to do what God wants you to do, that's as evil as witchcraft. He goes on to say, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. You, you make fun of somebody falling down in front of a false god that's made out of, carved out of wood and praying to some wooden, you're making fun of them? Well, your stubbornness is just as evil. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Samuel and Saul were good friends. And Samuel and Saul got along really well until Saul started taking himself as the final authority over the words of God. Amen. That's where Samuel and Saul parted ways. Samuel and Saul parted ways because there came a time in Saul's life where he had to choose between God's word and his own ways of thinking and his own way thinks, he thinks God would like this and God would like this and his own convenient ways. And it's convenient to let the people take the sheep. It's got, and Samuel reminds him that because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, in other words, you've took yourself as the final authority over the word of God. Brothers and sisters, your final authority should be this book. Amen. It shouldn't be this preacher looking at me. It shouldn't be any other pastor you know. It shouldn't be any other Christian you know. It shouldn't be anybody else you know, your wife or kid or anybody. Your final authority about faith and everything in this world should be this word of God. And if it's, not, if it's not this word of God, then it's, it's not your final authority. Meaning, there can only be one chief. There can only be one chief. You can only have one final authority. You understand that you can only, you can only go to one final. There has to be somebody that says, that's it. This is it. I mean, you might have somebody up below you say, well, I don't know. Let's go to the boss. Boss says this. Well, let me go to this other boss. Well, there has to be a final authority. Well, when it reaches him, it reaches it, that's it. No more questioning it. Drop the gavel. That's it. Final authority. And for us as Bible-believing Christians, it's that book. Amen. That book. Now, and I believe it's the King James Bible. Now, I've had people that say, well, I believe this and I believe that. Well, let me tell you something. I... Uh, I have a guy that uh, 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 talked to me and he said, well, I believe it's King James Bible and the Greek, Greek Receptus, the Greek manuscripts. Well, you have two clocks. You have two authorities. Your, your authority is Greek Re Receptus or it's, a, well, my final authority is the Bible and the Greek. No, it's not because they're two separate things. And, and the, 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 thing I was the thing I'm trying to say is, is that when I stand up here, I know exactly what time it is. I have one authority. I have one clock. There's a famous saying where a guy, a famous saying by a guy, I think his last name is Lee, said, a man that has two clocks never knows what time it is, but a man with one clock is always sure. That's a, that's a great saying. It means that when you have one authority, you always know where you stand. But when you have two authorities, you're never for, quite for sure what's going on. My, that, your clock might be wrong. 
You might argue with me, say, well, your clock's wrong. It might be, but at least I know where I'm at. And you know where I'm at. You know where I'll be. Because if you look at that clock, you'll know where I'll be. Because that's my final authority. That's my final authority. So back, if you're still with me in chapter 15, real quick, verse 35. And Samuel came no more to, to, to see Saul until the day of his death. So Samuel saw they parted ways, never seen each other. But notice, nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. Samuel loved Saul. Back in, first, uh, back in 1 Samuel chapter 28. Samuel loved Saul. Saul loved Samuel. There was a great friendship there. And it's real obvious in the scripture that they had a great care for each other. So now, we go back. Now Saul's at the end of his kingdom. It's about to be the end of his kingdom. And the Philistines are coming down. They're going to fight. Now David's on their side. But David's not allowed to go. So they're going to fight, and Saul in verse uh, first. We'll go back to First Samuel chapter twenty-eight. Let's go back. Let's get down deep into this. Verse uh, verse five. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. Saul was afraid, and he's afraid of what he's about to see because there's a big bunch of them. There's nothing like fear to bring a man to God. There's nothing like fear to bring a man to God, and there's nothing like the fear of death to bring a man to God. And Saul. As he sees this great, as a king, and he sees this great army, and he knows there's no way I'm gonna be able to stand up against this. Army. There's just no way. He has a fear, and he has a search for God, and he goes into the very next verse, verse six. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. The Lord wouldn't talk to Saul. God, the Lord was done with him. Now, there's no doubt that Saul was praying, 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 and those prayers were hitting the top of the ceiling and going no further, and there was no answer back from God. God was uh, known to answer his king, and, uh, known to answer the king. God was known to answer his prophets, to speak, and the, and the prophets would come and say, Thus saith the Lord, and he had nobody telling him. Nobody talked, and it said that the Lord wasn't talked to him through dreams. Do you know the Lord can talk to you through dreams? The Lord can talk to you through dreams. And the Bible says, nor by Urim. Now, Urim, that word Urim, that's a strange thing right there. Urim means lots. That word Urim means lots. And what that goes back to, uh, and this is very interesting, brother. It goes back to the breastplate, the Urim and the Thummim. Now, go back, and we, we did this study a long time ago in this church, but I, I'm going to tell you, it, it's basically a modern-day computer. And people, oh, Brother Keegan, you're always saying something. No, I'm serious. Go back, study Exodus 28, study Exodus 39, those two chapters. You'll see the breastplates being made, and you had these jewels. I'll call them jewels or gems, the different uh, stones that were put in here. Each one represented a tribe of Israel, and on each one of these colored stones was engraved the name of the tribe on this, this breastplate. And when God told him to make it, he said, I want you to take gold. I want you to beat this gold out, make it very, very thin. And he goes, I want you to cut it into wires. And then I want you to run these wires all through here and to connect it up, all this gold. And you got the pouches with the gold. Everything's gold. And he basically looked like a circuit board. And then he would, then they said, put this Urim and Thummim in there. You say, well, what was a Urim and Thummim? Nobody knows. Nobody knows where this stuff come from. But it looks, appears to be like, almost like a battery, like a positive and a negative. And they put this in this pouch. And when they did, what would happen was they would say, they'd have the ephod and they'd say, God, should I go down to battle? And it's like this, it would light up. Doot, 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 doot. And it would light up the letters, and that would tell them, like an A and a B, an N and an O, so that no, or a Y and an E and an S. Yes, God was talking to them and would, could be able to communicate to them through this ephod, through the high priest, and there was only one called lights. It would light up. Very strange. What does that sound like today? It sounds like a Ouija board. If you know anything about uh, mysticism and the occult, it sounds a lot like a Ouija board. Everything the devil does is a copy of God Amen. and what God's doing. Well, Saul didn't have that. Saul didn't have that, and he didn't, of course, he didn't have the prophets. Samuel's dead. There's no other prophets coming up here telling him, Thus saith the Lord. Saul don't know what to do. So we see in there in verse 7 that Saul decides to go find me a familiar spirit. Find me a woman, a medium, a witch that can tell me what the future holds. He's afraid. He wants to know what to do. He wants to know what's going on. But he's got a plan here. 
And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. Well, how do they know that? If all the familiar spirits, all the people, all the witches have been run out of the country, how do they know there's one at Endor? How, you know, they, they were quick to tell him, oh, there's one over there. At... It's all just a game. Saul's just playing games. And it says there he's run them all out, but he's saying he's running them out. They're not really run out. Verse 8, And Saul disguised himself and put on the other raiment. And he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring, him, bring me him up, whom I shall name unto thee. So a medium, a woman, a medium, and usually it's a woman. You women are more spiritually in tune than us men. Us men are just stupid. We're not very spiritually in tune. You women, y'all have that sixth sense. Uh, the, the world calls it a sixth sense or something, but y'all are a lot more spiritually in tune than men. There's a, a majority of the mediums and witches are female, and a majority of, of these mediums, and you see tarot card readers, whatever, they're female. Most of the time, uh, y'all women just got that spiritual attunement that men don't have. I think that's why the, the devil was able to come into Eve, because she was just spiritually attuned that way. And that, that's what the Bible shows us all, all through the Bible. Uh, and what a medium will do is they'll use an unclean spirit. They're not bringing up your dead loved one. A medium is not bringing up your dead loved one. What a medium is doing is using an unclean spirit, and an unclean spirit has access maybe to some real facts, and they're impersonating your dead loved one. So if you go to a seance, you're sitting around the table, you go to a seance, or a medium says, I'm going to bring up your dead uncle, your dead dad, your dead mother, whoever you're wanting to talk to. When you're talking to that medium, and that medium says, it's your dead dad, your dad says this, your mom says that, whatever, and they're like, oh, that's so true. It's an unclean spirit impersonating your loved one. Guys, we don't need to be messing with this stuff. And the world teaches us this stuff over and over again, and, and, and there, there's some power in this stuff. But the Bible never says that there's no power in some of the stuff the devil does. There is a spiritual realm, and, and the world wants you to access that spiritual realm through an unclean spirit. That's what they teach you through mediums, through demon-possessed people. And the Bible tells us we need to access the spiritual realm through the only place you can access it safely, through the clean spirit, through the one and only Holy Spirit, because God is spirit, and you must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You can only get into the spiritual realm safely through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. And to try to do it some other way, you're taking your, your, it's dangerous, and you'll get demon-possessed. Jesus Christ said there's a man that has an unclean spirit, it leaves a man. The unclean spirit leaves the man. The man is clean. He's clean on the inside. The unclean spirit comes back. He finds that this place has been clean and, and swept and garnished. And he brings back seven other spirits more evil than him. And the man's worse off than he was from the very beginning. That's called reformation. That's a man who tries to clean himself up. He kicks out that unclean spirit out of his life. And then the unclean spirit, it cleans up. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in. It's empty. The unclean spirit comes back in. And here we go again. It's worse off. Jesus told us these things. There's a spiritual realm. I'm not trying to deny a spiritual realm. I'm trying to warn you not to go to the wrong side. Amen. There's two sides. I mentioned a Ouija board. Uh, Dr. Ruttman told a story. I heard Dr. Ruttman tell this story in class that he was, they were, when, before he got saved, before they got shipped off the military, they were all sitting around him and his military guys, and they were playing with the Ouija board. And one of the guys asked the Ouija board, how much change is in the room? How much money is changes in the room? And the Ouija board got it down to, the, to a nickel. And they pulled out their money out of their pockets, and the Ouija board got down to a nickel. And he said they were all just flabbergasted. And he said, man, just creeped out. And they, they were walking out the room, and one of his friends said, look. And they looked down, and between the cracks of the boards, there was a nickel laying there. Oh right, on the, right on the money. Oh there, there, there's, uh, there's something, there's stuff, this stuff works. For some people, this stuff will work, but you're not contacting your dead loved ones. You're not contacting something that's going to help you out. What you're doing is you're contacting an unclean spirit, Amen. a devil. Uh, let me give it to you what, how you know it. You're contacting a demon is what you're contacting. And that's what he's doing, and that's what she's going to try to do. Divine unto me by the familiar spirit and bring me him up. I want, to li I want uh, you to bring me somebody up, is what he tells her. Verse 9, And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul had done, how he had cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? She says, You're going you're to get me killed because I'm not allowed to do this. And Saul swear to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. 
So he's disguised. He's not, he, he doesn't want her to know he's the king. And he says, I, I promise nothing's going to happen. You can trust Saul. Guys, learning the Bible, studying the Bible, you can trust Saul about as, as far as it's convenient for him. And that's what a lot of Christians and the way we can be too. We, you can trust us as far as it's convenient for us. As soon as it's not convenient for us, we might lie, cheat, do whatever it is for, to you. But as, large, as, far, as far as it's convenient for Saul, then you can trust him. And it's not going to be very convenient. Verse 11, Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. What's interesting about this, in, uh, in Saul's darkest times, he wants to go to his spiritual leader. He wants to go to his spiritual leader. And he remembers his spiritual leader and his friend. And he wants to talk to Samuel. He wants to talk to Samuel. Uh, I've preached funerals where I had guys come to me after funerals. And it's the darkest time. The loved one's dead and everything. So, brother, I'm going to be at church. I'm going to get right with God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm this. And then they never show up. And it's at their darkest times. And they, they, they don't need to be coming to me telling me that. They need to go to Jesus Christ and get right with God. See, when you have in your darkest times... I mean, I appreciate you telling me we can pray together. That's what we're here together as brothers and sisters supposed to lift each other up. But in your darkest times, the first one you should go to is God through Jesus Christ. Go to the Father through Jesus Christ. And that's where he's messing up. Bring me up Samuel. Verse 12. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. Uh-oh. What happened was... is. She is, uh, well, let's, let's read it and then we'll, we'll just, I'll explain it. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw God's, lowercase g, ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he's covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And bowed himself. So what happened was, is this witch, she... Starts doing the seance like she, she gets all her stuff ready for the seance. Probably put out some candles. Is going to do some things to try to get that familiar spirit to come into her, the unclean spirit. And she gets to going and, and she's used to doing different things. And before she can get going very far, God raises up Samuel. Raises his soul up and she sees it and she screams out. Because why does she scream out? Because this is not how it's supposed to go. She's not supposed to be really bringing up Samuel. You get it? She, he says, bring up Samuel. Samuel comes up. And she's like, oh, oh, oh. Well, I thought you, that's what you said you could do. Yeah, yeah I, I'm faking it. And this unclean spirit's helping me fake it. And this is not supposed to really be happening. He, God brings up Samuel. And it says there that I saw God's ascending out of the earth. What's going on here? And I, I, put, this, I put this up on the board. Kind of give you an idea. We don't have time to go through a whole study on Sheol. When a person dies in the Old Testament, their body goes into the grave. Their soul went, up, went down into Sheol. Sheol was a holding place in the center of the earth. One side of it was called Abraham's bosom or paradise. You can hear it called Abraham's bosom or uh, paradise. That was on this side. On the other side is what you know as hell. The famous uh, story Jesus Christ tells, and remember this is still in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ tells before he was crucified, he tells Luke chapter 16, the rich man died, he went down into paradise. I mean, uh, the rich man died, he went down in hell. Lazarus died, he went down into paradise. So when a, a person in the Old Testament died with that, in their sins, they went down into hell. So Saul, Samuel's down here, his soul's down here, his body's up here. Saul's up here, and he's asking that woman to conjure him up. God, what God does, God takes his soul and brings him up here. And that's what, that's what you're seeing there, going on there. What happened in the New Testament? When Jesus Christ was crucified, died, he went, into the, he went in for three days and three nights, and, and it said he was in the heart of the earth. He's in the heart of the earth. Jesus Christ's spirit went up to the Father. His soul went down into, into Hades, into Sheol, into hell. Thou will not leave my, my soul in hell. That's an axe. And then his body went down into a tomb. So those three days, he's down here. It says he preached to the, the spirits that are in prison. He's down here. He took all our sins. He threw them in hell. The Bible says he led the captivity captive. Captivity captive. He emptied out paradise or, Ab or Abraham's bosom. 
When the thief was on the cross, the thief said, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. The Lord said, you'll be with me today, 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 thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. So that's where the thief went. But after, after he threw the sins away into hell, he put his blood on the mercy seat. He took the, the Bible says he took captivity captive. He took them out. So Samuel and Moses and Noah and the thief on the cross, everybody who died before the cross of Calvary, they were, their souls were being held here because the bull and goats cannot cover your sins, cannot take away your sins. It has to be the blood of Jesus Christ. So that, he took them out. So this place is empty right now. So if you die today and you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you die today, your spirit and soul go up to be with Jesus Christ, your body's in the earth rotting. God's going to come down at the rapture and give you a new body like unto Jesus Christ. You'll get a new body. That soul and spirit will go back in that new body. You'll be a trinity again. If you die without Jesus Christ today... Your body goes into the grave. Your spirit, the spirit that's causing you to live, goes back up to be with God. Your soul goes into hell waiting for the great white throne judgment. So that's what's going on in all that mess right there. That explains to you why Saul, Samuel comes up. Samuel wasn't soul sleeping. His soul was down being down in uh, paradise, in the holding place down in Sheol. The Bible, uh, the word for it, the Hebrew word for it is Sheol. Sheol. So these angels evidently, verse 13, I saw gods. Those are angels bringing up Samuel. So they bring up Samuel. People say, well, I've seen a ghost. Well, what you're seeing, you're not seeing, a, you're not seeing a dead person walk around. You're seeing an unclean spirit that's presenting himself as a dead person. That's what you're seeing. I'm not telling people they're not seeing ghosts. I'm not telling people they're not seeing things. I'm not telling people that there's not things that in a house that's causing the dishes to fall. I'm not telling you there's not a spiritual realm. I'm telling you there's a bad side of that spiritual realm and there's a good side. And you've got to pick. And there's only one good side. It's through the Holy Spirit. Everything else you're seeing is unclean spirits. It's demonic activity. It's, it's the devil working in this world. Amen. That's what you're seeing. And mediums, witches, all the stuff that they're doing, that's what's going on. And there's power in some of that stuff. The devil has power in this world. Man, I, when, before I got saved, I told you a story. Uh, this is a kind of a personal testimony. Before I got saved, I was into witchcraft. I was, in, I was uh, doing all kinds of things. I stole a, 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 witch, a witchcraft book. From the local bookstore, took it home, me and a friend. We got to trying to conjure up demons. We got to trying to conjure all this stuff up. One of the things we did is I studied that book. It said you, you stand behind somebody in a grocery store line, and they've got, a, they got a, you know, how they have those candy bars in a grocery store line. This book would teach you that as, you've got, you got, it's all about power over other people. Witchcraft is. So it would teach you that you would stand behind somebody in a grocery store line and there's, you know, they have the candy bars on each side of them and you'd stare at the back of their head and you would, in your mind, you would say, pick up a candy bar, pick up a candy bar, pick up a candy bar, pick up a candy And that's what you're doing. And what you do is you try to keep, you just try to get power over their mind and then you try to get them to pick up a candy bar. And then when you got good at that, that book said, when you got good at that, then you would say, what kind of candy bar to pick up? And I remember as, uh, as a person, as a young teenager, uh, trying some of that, and it seemed to me like it was working. Now, in that same book, it said, listen to me, listen to me, if you're going to listen to anything I say this morning, listen to me. In that same book, witchcraft book, it said, don't try this on a Christian because they're too dumb for it to work. Now, as a young teenager, even as, even as a hate-filled young teenager, I understood. I know some Christians that aren't dumb. Now, I didn't know what was going on there. What? But now I know that I'm a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. This stuff don't work because I got the Holy Spirit in them. Amen. <laughs> Guys, I mean, you'd be surprised what I believe and don't believe. What I do believe is that Jesus Christ is the only way that you're going to go through that. The Holy Spirit's the only way, and that's the only clean spirit. Everything else is a raven. There's only one dove. Everything else is ravens and unclean spirits and unclean birds. All that stuff is unclean. And everything you see when you see a ghost, you're seeing an unclean spirit moving and working in this world, manifesting out. What are we doing worshiping? What are we doing celebrating Halloween? What are we doing? We're hypocrites. Amen. 
that, that, I, it's not the devil's birthday. I, I, I'm not so foolish to say it's the devil's birthday. It's a time that they celebrate demons, unclean spirits, ghouls, and goblins. At the very least, make your kids dress up as something that's not a witch or a zombie or, or whatever wicked thing they've, they've got going on today. I've heard of churches having fall festivals. That's okay, whatever. The, the women go down there dressed as witches. Amen. True. I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. All right. I know, I'm getting off on tangent. Verse 15. Verse 15. Well, end of verse 14. I'm going to show you one more thing about Samuel, Saul where he messes up. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. Saul worshipped his religious leader. See how he's bowing himself? He's worshiping Samuel. Oh, Samuel comes up. There goes Saul. He's a king. What is a king doing getting down on his knees? He's a king. And he's bowing down to his religious leader. He's messing up. Saul has it all wrong. See, from the very beginning, it wasn't God's words. It was Samuel's words he was obeying. See, Samuel said, you've disobeyed God's words. In Saul's mind, no, I'm not. I'm disobeying your words. Don't, don't be mad at me, Saul. Help me out. I mean, don't be mad at me, Samuel. Help me out. These people are mad at me. Help me do this stuff. If you read that chapter 15, you'll get, all, you'll get the gist of what I'm trying to tell you, what Saul was doing. Saul was like, not afraid of God being mad at him. He's afraid of what people thought of him, of him and what Samuel thought of him. And even here, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm about to die. God's not hearing me. I'm going to go and get Samuel. Samuel comes. I'm going to fall down between my... He needs to fall down before God Amen. and worship God. And that's where he's getting it wrong. Look at verse 15. And Samuel said to Saul, Samuel's going to speak to him. Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed. For the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and answers me no more, neither by prophets nor my dreams, Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. I don't know what to do. God's not talking to me. Well, don't you think you need to get right with God? God's the one that got, don't, you need to get right with God. We'll look at verse 16. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me? Samuel says, Why are you asking me? Seeing the Lord has departed from thee, and has become thine enemy. Oh, that's the worst thing that happened to a man. God become your enemy. Mm-mm-mm. And the Lord hath done to him. As he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Samuel tells him what he already knows. Listen, you didn't obey God's words that came through me. They're God's words, but they're coming through me. And he told you David's new king. He's taking it away from you. He's going to give it to David. Verse 18, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Now, notice, the Bible, doesn't, the Bible doesn't act like that's how God acts all the time, that God just wipes people out all the time. God just wipes people out, kills kids, kids for no reason. Just, that's not the God of the Bible. It says there that it was his fierce wrath. They did something to make God really, really mad. That's what brought that on, the Amalek, for him killing all of them. That's what brought it on. It's his fierce wrath. Our God is merciful. Amen. He is merciful. But man, if you keep doing it and doing it, you can get him really mad at you. Amen. And boy, you don't want that. Upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, uh-oh, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Ooh, what a... That's not good. I bet he's wishing he didn't bring him up. He said, another thing I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be dead tomorrow. And he said, you're going to be with me. Now, when he says with me, he doesn't mean in this side of Sheol. He means Saul's going to go to that side. I believe Saul went to that side of Sheol. Jonathan probably went down there with Samuel. Well, I know Samuel. Yeah, Jonathan went down there with Samuel. Verse 20, then Saul. Okay, what's, how's Saul going to handle this? Then Saul fell, fell straightway all along the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. See, that's the, pro, that's the main problem with Saul. He's thinking that these words that Samuel's speaking is coming from Samuel, and they're not coming from Samuel. They're coming from God. They're coming from God. And he needs to understand that 
He should have seen these words are coming from God and not Samuel. Why do you say that? Because if, and, this, and, and y'all have been with this study with me about humbleness. If Saul could have found a way to humble himself down before the Lord God and repented. God does amazing things when you humble yourself down before him. Ahab, Ahab, the Bible describes him as the very worst king that Israel ever had. The most evil king ever. And Ahab humbled himself down. And God said, see how he humbled himself down? I'm not going to do it to him. I'll just wait to his kids. If Saul would have just humbled himself down and repented before God, God might have done some amazing things here. But it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, it might not happen in your life. You might have a preacher preach at you. You might have a mother or dad, a grandmother, tell you about Jesus Christ and tell you about Jesus Christ. You might have every opportunity and you're going to go through your life. You're going to go through your life full of pride and you're never, ever going to find a way to humble yourself down. And you're going to be like Saul. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all day nor all night. Saul was fasting. He was tired. He's hungry. And look at verse 21. And the woman came unto Saul, and saw that he was sore troubled, and said unto him, Behold, thine handmaid hath obeyed thy voice, and I have put my life in my hand, and have hearkened unto thy words which thou spakest unto me. Now therefore, I pray thee, hearken thou also, excuse me, unto the voice of thine handmaid, and let me set a morsel of bread before thee, and eat, that thou mayest have strength when thou goest on thy way. Oh, she's so sweet and kind. I mean, I couldn't think of a more kindly, sweet, grandmotherly type lady than to say, no, don't, just come in here, let me, let me feed you something. Let, let me get you something to eat. Let me get you something. That sounds like every southern lady's hospitality. I love living in Texas. I love living in Texas. Because y'all ladies, y'all, y'all just, y'all have that southern hospitality. Me and my wife, were, my wife and I were stuck up there in line waiting to get in that promise play, and there was a lady in front. I don't know who this lady was. My, I don't know how long she's talking to my wife before I got there. When I walked up there, that lady's like turning. Uh, she called us people from Brownwood. I was afraid to give her my name. She might look me up somewhere and find me. She's talking, 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 talking. And, oh, that's so sweet. And, you know, what are y'all doing? This and that. I'm like, lady, I don't know you. What are you doing? And that, that's how people are. Down here in Texas. That's how people are in the South. The women like that are in the South. And that's how this witch is. Very sweet. Very, very sweet. Look at verse 23. But he refused. He doesn't want to eat. And said, I will not eat. But his servants together, look, together with the woman, compelled him. And he hearkened unto their voice. So he arose from the earth and sat upon the bed. They just killed him. They just damned his soul to a devil's hell. Said they compelled him. You know, what they, you know what they probably said to him? Saul, everything's going to be all right. Don't listen to what Samuel said. Everything's going to be okay. I mean, Samuel's dead. I mean, it just, it's just a ghost. Samuel, we don't know that Samuel's right. But, but you know, Saul probably said, but Saul, but Samuel said he's speaking for God. No, no, that's, you can't take that stuff. You can't get so religious. Now, come on, calm down. Everything's going to be okay. And everything's not going to be okay. I believe, now I can't prove this of course. We won't know until we get to heaven. I believe that Saul was just this close to repenting and humbling himself down and getting right with God. He was that close. He came to his best friend, raised his best friend. His best friend told him again, you're not obeying God's words. And he's just this close. He's, he's heartbroken. He's sick. Everything, nothing, something's not right. And then they come along. The sweet, kind, reassuring, demon-possessed witch comes along with all those sweet, kind words. And he sits down, and he rose from the earth and sat upon the bed, and the woman had a fat calf in the house, and she hasted and killed it and took flour and kneaded it and did bake unleavened bread thereof. Oh, she's a good cook. And she brought it before Saul and before his servants, and they did eat. Then they rose up and went away that night. Don't be Fooled. Brothers and sisters are are friends of any kind I have. Please do not be fooled by that sweet, kind, reassuring words from a demon-possessed witch. 
Why are we so quick to listen to what the world tells us and forget what God's been telling us? Amen. On this time of year when everybody celebrates, they've, they've had people have Halloween decorations out for a month and a half. They, they put them out. I mean, it was like July, people putting out. They love Halloween. They, they love to worship this stuff. They love to celebrate the dead and spirits and ghosts and witches and mediums. They love that stuff. They love to be afraid. They love to be afraid. They love to be afraid, but they don't know real fear. Because when my mom passed away, and I wasn't even that right with God when my mom passed away, I didn't want to have anything to do with Halloween. You know why? Because it talked about death and dead things. And my mom was dead, and I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want, it bothered me. It, it, didn't, it, it troubled me. That's not of God. That's not of God. That's not of God. I want to think about my mom being alive in heaven. I want to think about my mom being alive forevermore up in heaven. And what, what this stuff does, it makes you think on the physical side of things. And if it, it makes you think about anything spiritual, the physical side of things of death and blood and guts, if it thinks about anything spiritual, it's going to be the unclean spiritual side. What are we doing worshiping Halloween? We shouldn't be doing that. I just, my, that's just my advice to you guys. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me give you some really, really good advice. No matter how harsh, no matter how harsh the Lord's words seem, and sometimes God's words seem pretty harsh, it's the truth. And you need to just look the truth, bald face, in the face, and say, okay, that's the truth. What do I need to do now? What you need to do is you need to get down on your knees. You need to confess your sins. Say, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to hell. I know I deserve hell, but... Jesus Christ, will you save me? And the Holy Spirit will come in. That spirit you don't know nothing about because all you know about is unclean spirits. That Holy Spirit will come in. He'll make you alive. You'll have a smile. You'll have joy. And the Bible says that perfect love casteth out all fear. You won't have that fear anymore. You'll be like, oh, I can't wait to get in. And you'll get, along, you'll, get to, you'll get so full of the Holy Spirit, you'll start seeing all this unclean stuff in the world and it'll bother you. It don't bother you right now because you have unclean spirits. That's why it don't bother you. If you have the Holy Spirit, it bothers you. When you know how clean something is, and you compare it to everything else, it sure does make it look really, really, really filthy. Come on down, take Jesus Christ if you don't have him. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord God. Father, I just pray, Lord, if there's anybody that's dealing with some kind of a spiritual uh, battle, Father, I just pray through your Holy Spirit, Lord God. You'll win that battle for them, Lord God. Give them the strength, Lord. And Father, there's any kind of Christian that's battling some of this stuff, Lord. Maybe they've kind of started dabbling in the occult and the horoscopes and the different spiritual realm, Lord God, that's not with you, Lord. I just pray, Father, that you'll help them get out of it, Lord. Give them the strength to get out of it, Father, and help them to see the truth, Lord God. Give them the light, Lord God. They can get out of that darkness, Father. Lord, we thank you that you are the light and that you contrast the darkness, Lord. Thank you that you are clean. And you are the dove, Lord God, and you contrast the raven and the darkness, Lord. Father, we thank you, Father, that you are all these things, Father. And we thank you that you put up with us, Lord. And we thank you that you are an incredible God that when somebody humbles themselves down, Father, you will come in and save them, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you for being merciful. Thank you, Lord, that we're approaching you on a throne of grace and not a throne of condemnation. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon Him.